Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. And this is our third segment with Ben Landers in our new format. This week, Ben is going to talk about an actual real world problem in his business, a tactical problem, a strategic problem, whatever it was. And he's going to then tell us how he resolved that problem. And hopefully, kind of like, I don't know, biblical parables, you'll learn something from that and take from Ben's experience and use it as you will. Ben, thanks for coming back to join us this week on the Black Letter Podcast. And I will just for the audience to take some of the mystique out of it. You will notice, yes, I'm wearing the same shirt. We are shooting this all on the same day. I'm not running around wearing the same clothes, nor is Ben, but we are splitting this up into three segments. Uh, just that was bothering me a little bit. So I thought I would put that in. Tom, but I adopted like the Steve Jobs approach where I have navy blue, blue Corona polos and Skyline. <laughs> and you're grinding one of them no matter what day it is. I don't make any decision. I just take the next one off the hanger. Oh, but that's nice. Even, yeah. even in the winter, I see, because it's that's like right. we're both here in Northern Virginia. It's 20 degrees here. This yeah. Week, and yeah. it sucks. Yeah. So, well, Ben, welcome back. So share with us, if you will, this week, because you had a little time to think yeah. about it. What's a big problem you had at the company and how did you come to realize it was a problem and then how did you resolve that problem? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we grew the business very rapidly. We were, we've been on the Inc. 5,000 list nine consecutive times. So we grew very rapidly, which is a great thing. But the challenge that we faced is at some point as we had grown so rapidly, you know, A, we had disparate system. So we had, you know, Salesforce that's our CRM which wasn't connected to our project management software. Our client communication was captured in another portal. You know, so you had this sort of disjointed, you know, on the operation side. The output of that was, you know, we hit some points where our growth sort of started to slow from where we wanted it to be. But sort of more troubling to me was, you know, we would have client attrition or employee attrition where employees were saying in the exit interview, that having to go from one system to another system and the friction to do my job is too much. And so, you know, we notice like that's, that's a big problem. And I think, again, if you're an entrepreneur that started this business, you don't have any training in organizational design or kind of creating uh, systems. And if you think you're going to go out and just like, oh, we'll call SAP or Oracle or Info, <laughs> just call them and, and have them put NetSuite in. That's going to be a um, a massive check, and that's without all the change orders and the eighteen months that it takes. Right, that's a million dollars. It's it's a serious I mean, endeavor. Everyone knows, like, why can't there just be one thing that just does everything? It's like, oh, there is, but it it costs as much as you've done in revenue in the last four or five years. So yeah, think carefully. You want to do that. So the way I addressed it was sort of a two parter. One is I I started looking. I started doing competitive analysis sort of looking at the larger competitors, how are they structured? You can learn a lot from LinkedIn in terms of the roles and positions that they have. I also started looking at key employees. So 
you know, there would be a founder and then you would start to see, okay, the founder hired this COO or hired this VP of sales. You can kind of look at the timelines of when those happen. And that kind of resulted to me saying, you know, I need to bring in some senior talent. We had grown to a point with almost exclusively our original employees. It's like my director of finance, you know, to this day was employee number three. But luckily, the financial side of our business you know, is, is pretty is pretty simple. So she's been able to grow with the curve of the company. But anyway, so I hired I hired a guy who's now our president. But originally, he was our head of sales and marketing, and he came from a bigger company. And we had this little operating system, kind of a way that we ran the business, cadence of meetings, how we set goals, how we keep people accountable. That we were using when we started hitting this kind of turbulence. And um, he came in in the first executive meeting that he attended on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Immediately, the red flag went up that was like, our homemade kind of operating system is not going to work. Because we're, we're sitting here, I'm asking people where they stand with sort of the things that they were working on. And he yeah. says, what problem are we trying to solve here? And I'm like, I'm sort of look, this is virtual. We were on like a Zoom. I'm like, looking at him like, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, this is, I'm running this meeting. I'm the CEO, you know, that, at that time. And, um, so I had a call after the meeting with him and I was like, Hey, you know, and he, he said, I'm coming from a bigger organization and, you know, I, I just want us to win. And right. you guys go into the, the, the how without clearly defining the what, like what's the problem? And then how are we going to solve it? I don't think you guys take enough time to, to figure out the root, you know, the root cause. Uh, and that's, that's why a lot of these things aren't happening. And then even when they happen, why the problems are persistent. And, and I'll only say to myself that I'm pretty good at, you know, having enough, you know, humility to say, you know, instead of arguing with them, it's like, tell, right. talk to me about that more about that. We adopted then EOS the entrepreneurial operating system. There, there are a lot of different sort of these ways to kind of run your business, meeting cadence and how to do the goal setting and holding people accountable. But we, the executive team, kind of looked at a couple different options and we all sort of agreed that sort of a, a slightly modified version of that would better serve this now bigger organization. That was number one. And so we started using that. And that EOS really involves in the issue processing, you know, like, okay, customers are canceling. Why are they canceling? Well, because they're not getting their reports on time. Why aren't they getting their reports on time? Like really drilling into like, right. what is the problem? And then once you have that list of problems, then you're sort of compartmentalizing what do we have to tackle this quarter versus what can we set? We're not going to forget about it, but it's going to go in this holding pen to address next quarter or, or whatever. Um, so it just gives you a way, you know, if you have 50 million problems, issues coming at you, it gives you this framework to kind of compartmentalize them. It helps, it kind of de-stresses the organization. You get the business running with this cadence where things suddenly start to become much more predictable. And then second is we also, he, in a, in a really odd twist, had a systems background. And so we then also looked at all these disparate systems and sort of built a two-year roadmap of how are we going to start to sort of stitch, yeah, stitching things together without 
the multi-million dollar, you know, price tag. Um, gotcha. and, and that, so that one hire, I mean, again, he knows I've thrown him so many bones in this regard. Mike, I hope you're listening to this and I hope you're smiling. You know, he improved sort of our, sort of the way we manage the business or the operating system, how we address any kind of root cause uh, problems, how we set goals and hope you kind of how did you, one, realize you need that hire? And two, how did you find that person? Because that's another big challenge. The knowing that I needed to hire someone with more experience came when I started doing the analysis of competitors and sort of like, again, they're companies that were twice our size. Where some of the original people were still there in key roles, but it was clear that they brought in, you know, talent from the outside. Um, at various points. And the challenge, of course, is that talent is expensive. So I was paying this person more than I made, uh, at least in, you know, in salary. And, you know, that's, that can be challenging to go like, man, like this is a lot. And it comes out of, you know, the way I always worked is I get a, a reasonable salary and then I was getting right. any additional as distributions, shareholder distributions. Right. Um, sure. to, to forego distributions you know, is the same amount for like a year or two while you invest back in the business, you know, that that's tough because you think to yourself, man, maybe I don't need to grow. Maybe I'll just keep it this size. And, you know, but you have to kind of think long-term. So the first was the competitive analysis, what led me to realize, like, I need to add someone. I can't do it all myself. But when I brought him in, he was the vice president of sales and marketing. I actually hired another person uh, separately to be the COO. That didn't work out. I mean, we learned a lot. I think, you know, there was, it was an experience, but I think from a culture fit perspective, it was not the right, right. fit for us. But what had happened was observing Mike in this vice president sales and marketing role, as I was having issues on the operations side, I kind of turned to him and I said, I know this is what you originally signed on for, but I'm a pretty good judge of like people's talents. You would be amazing at this. Do you have the bandwidth to do it? Do you want to do it? Can we come up with a, an, an arrangement to move you into that role? And so him and I had worked, worked that all out. And I had recruited him, the vice president of sales marketing. That was like through kind of family and friends. I had met him sure. at a wedding where he was you know, married to my wife's you know, cousin. And I'm at a wedding and I'm talking to him and I said, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I run X sales for Infor, which is a huge company. And I, and I was younger in my career. I'm like asking him all these questions and just listening to him talk. I'm going, okay, like this guy's a, a big cheese. I'm a little right. business owner. And so, you know, a year or something later, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm, we're trying to do this with sales and we're kind of hitting some turbulent. Can I bend your ear on something? And it's like a Saturday. He's like, yeah, call me. And then through that, he's like, have, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And I'm like, and, and again, and then a year went by and I, I was waiting on a train in New York and I said, I just hit send him a note and I said, when are you going to retire you know, from Infor and come work for Blue Corona? And he just sent back like, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And then anyway, that led to a call where I basically pitched him. I said, this is what we have. And he earlier in his career had worked for a family owned software company. That was grown and then bought by Infor. So he had kind of worked for a Blue Corona S company and gotcha. watched grow when he was early in his career. It was like, imagine if you could go back in time 
to that company that was grown and sold, where knowing what you know now, that's the opportunity. You're, you had a problem-solving problem, and you solved your problem through a hire, and yeah. then that hire kind of jumped in and solved that problem. That's the real-world kind of uh, thing that, that I guess that really helped lift your business. Antidotally, I found kind of the same thing in what we do, and I've heard from other business owners that it sounds like almost everything from the kind of the three takeaways last week to how you started your company, all of it seems to come from inside the mind. A lot of it's self-realizing and mindset type of things. That's just what I'm summarizing about Ben Landers and success. And it just seems like you've been really successful. Thanks for spending time with us. You know, appreciate yeah, you, yeah. you jumping out. And um, what I'd be really excited to hear about is, is catch up where Blue Corona is in a few months or, uh, you know, six, eight, ten months as exciting things happen with you guys, which I'm sure they are because you guys are still in a, in a growth mindset. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.